Strike Zone. ABC Grandstand's Baseball Show. Hi there, Chris Coleman with you for Strike Zone and we start off this week's program by tying up a loose end from last week. We congratulate New South Wales who won once again the Women's National Baseball Championship. Not surprisingly, New South Wales players dominate the 31-player preliminary squad named for the Women's World Cup. That World Cup to be held in Japan from the 1st to the 7th of September. Australia looking to go better than the fourth place at the previous edition in 2012. That 31-player squad will be trimmed to 20 for the World Cup itself. You can find out the full details on that squad by going to a brand new website that's been launched for the women's national team, emeralds.baseball.com.au. That's emeralds.baseball.com.au. Uh, before all that Women's World Cup takes place, the Under-15 International Baseball Association World Cup will be held. It's being held in Baja California Sur in Mexico. Starts on the 31st of July. 18 teams to take part, and in those 18 teams, Australia and our friends from across the ditch in New Zealand. We'll have more details on that in a future edition of Strike Zone as well. But today we start off with a very serious topic on Strike Zone, and that is what does the future hold for Blacktown International Sports Park? That's where the Blue Sox play their home games, and of course it's the home of one of the best softball facilities in the country as well. But when Major League Baseball was being held in Sydney, there was a very quiet announcement made saying that the state government funding for the BISP was to be cut by almost three quarters of a million dollars a year, effectively leaving Blacktown City Council responsible for completely funding the facility. Won't surprise anyone to learn that Blacktown City Council isn't exactly thrilled by this development, I spoke with the Mayor of Blacktown, Len Robinson, to get his council's perspective. Well, your summation in your introduction was fairly good. I mean, the, we've got this Olympic legacy from 2000, and it was set up by previous governments and previous councils, but they gave uh, softball and baseball leases for a very long tenure, and they have control over the facilities, but we've got the responsibility for maintenance, and we have to maintain for example, that baseball facility, to an international standard, not just mow the grass, maintain it to an international standard, to at least 2018. Now, under the original arrangement, the costs were being shared by the state government and council. Uh, that was originally three-quarters of a million each. For some unknown reason, their share dropped to 736000 a few years ago, and it's never been explained, but that's really irrelevant. I mean, and you'd realise with inflation that while we were getting 736 off them, I think we spent 848,000 of ratepayers' money. And all of a sudden, um, we're told that there was an agreement which expired a few years ago, and that, that may be a stuff up on behalf of somebody at Blacktown Venue Management that supervises the place. But um, the funding's not there. You need to put together a business case. and. We put together a business case. Nobody said there was anything wrong with the business case. Um, we were told a couple of months ago that what we'd put together wasn't good enough and that we weren't going to get the funding. Now, I'm sorry, I don't care what the business case is. If there's anybody in sport and recreation who's got a, an ounce of decency or morality about them, they understand the words integrity and honesty, they'd front up with the money. I mean, baseball controls the ground. Um, there's no... Blacktown competition taking place on that ground. It's used for state championships, Australian titles, home of the Blue Sox, as you said, um, and they run everything. I mean, occasionally you hear of of a high school match, you know, Rudy Hill High playing Mitchell High or something, but our baseball's played out at Quakers Hill. So we're left with a situation where I've got to maintain that venue 
to an international standard till at least 2018, and the state government has said, oh, because you didn't fill in your form right, um, you've missed out on the money. Now, <laughs> I've already got black holes through lack of maintenance. I've got about a $68 million black hole. I don't need another three-quarters of a million dollars being ripped off the rate bows of Blacktown. So, so let me get this right, uh, Mr Mayor. You, you're bound... So Blacktown Council is bound to maintain the sports park to international standards. Yeah, till 2018. But there was never any agreement with other another body, i.e. the state government or, or, a, or Baseball Australia or anyone, to help you with that funding oh, right yeah. through to 2018? No, there was an agreement apparently originally. I'm, I'm still trying to get my hands on it, but apparently it expired four or five years ago and, and hadn't been renewed. And what had been happening, the people out at the International Sports Park had just been submitting invoices to Sport and Rec and a cheque just come back every six months. Nobody had questioned it. And, of course, we've got a new head of Sport and Rec. He gets a bill on his desk for 736000 last year and he said, what's going on? Uh, he cobbled the money together, as I understand, and gave us the 736000 on the 30th of June last year. But, as I said, two months ago we got the coup d'etat. You're not getting it anymore. So that means you've got basically an extra three-quarters of a million dollars that you've got to find now for the I've next four years. I've got to find a look-after facility that I've got no control over. What happens if you don't put well, the money up? I think up? I'm in strife because, as I said, my understanding is that there's a lock-tight lock deal between the state government and the council which requires us to maintain it, but we don't have a reciprocal deal to, to lock them into continuing to give us the money. And what happens beyond 2018, then? Oh, well, there's going to be some ructions. I mean, I've got to tell you, um, David Hines, who's the president of Baseball Australia, is a really good guy. I've known David. He and my oldest daughter went to kindergarten together, so I've known him and the family for a long, long time. And I'm sure he'll be working behind the scenes to help us too. But, you know, we'll work something out with David. But at this stage, everybody's running around and saying, well, the day that agreement expires, we'll throw everybody off the site and start running it for the ratepayers if we've got to look after it. So that's a not terribly happy Mayor of Blacktown City Council, Len Robinson. That interview was recorded a couple of weeks back. I've had to hold on to it basically because events in New South Wales politics have unfolded quite dramatically. There's now a new Premier, as you're probably aware, and a new Sports Minister. I have put in a request this week to the Office of Stuart Ayres, the New South Wales Sports Minister, for an interview in response. We'll see uh, if anything comes of that. But late last week, there was also another development. The Sydney Morning Herald reported on, in all places, a soccer column. Uh, the Central Coast Mariners play, plans to hold at least one game a year at Brookvale Oval, the current home of the Manly Warringah Rugby League team. That's on Sydney's North Shore. But tucked away in that article was this. Securing Mariners games is essential to the Sea Eagles' bid to renovate the stadium, along with the prospect of hosting a number of baseball games for Australian Baseball League club, the Sydney Blue Sox. Representatives of the three sport clubs, along with Warringah Council, met with then New South Wales Treasurer Mike Baird on April 11 to discuss requirements for the upgrade of Brookvale Oval, along with potential usage. Interesting. Uh, I'll put in a call to Tim Harradine, the CEO of Baseball New South Wales and the Sydney Blue Sox, to find out more, and hopefully we'll have a response from him on next week's program as well. But it certainly seems like the future of the Blacktown International Sports Park as a top-flight baseball venue may well be in question. We'll keep you posted here on Strike Zone on ABC Grandstand Digital. Strike Zone. Time to introduce a new segment on Strike Zone. Uh, and as you'd be aware, we do follow the fortunes of the many Australians who play at various levels of baseball in the United States. It's getting very hard to do that from Australia just because of the sheer quantity 
of Aussies there. Now, never fear, we will still talk to them here on Strike Zone, but we're also going to, on a semi-regular basis, talk to this bloke. His name is Tyler Morn. He is the Australian Baseball League staff writer. He's also now a contributing writer to MILB.com, yes, the official minor league baseball website. It's his first appearance on Strike Zone. Let's hope he's not too nervous. Hello, Tyler. Chris, I can't even tell you how excited I am to be on Strike Zone. I am a loyal, loyal follower and listener and have been for a long, long time. So this is, uh, I'm really excited. It's only taken us 94 shows to get you on, but we finally made it. <laughs> Hey, look, there's a lot of Aussies playing uh, baseball in the US and you being uh, smack bang in the heart of it, now you're writing about some of them too for um, MILB.com. Let's talk about one bloke though who's had um, gee, some, some serious trials over the years. He's a big friend of the program too, Todd Van Steensel from Sydney. You know, I, Tom Van Cecil's story is one of those stories that you read about in baseball and you think, these are the reasons why we love sport. Uh, Todd was a guy who was originally signed uh, to minor league baseball. He played in the Phillies organization, played in the Twins organization, and just never really hit his stride coming out of Australia. He was signed at the, uh, I believe, at the under-18 championships in Perth um, a, a while back, a few years back, uh, was released by the Twins, was released by the Phillies, um, and just never really found himself as a... Uh, as a professional baseballer, went back home to Sydney, played for the Blue Sox, and actually had not really heard much from Major League Baseball organizations until this ABL season, and it turned in another really good campaign for the Blue Sox, and the Twins came calling again. They signed him, brought him back over to the States. Uh, he had actually never ascended out of rookie level uh, during his previous tenure uh, with the Twins in the U.S., and he finally this week got called up to the Cedar Rapids Colonels of the Midwest League. So Todd is finally uh, he's kind of on his way. He's still a young guy, a very lively arm, a right-handed uh, a relief pitcher, and uh, he's uh, started to kind of hit his stride. He went through extended spring training with the Twins for a little while, and now is up in Cedar Rapids, and uh, really excited for him. It's a very, very cool story for him to get not only a second chance but really a third chance in minor league baseball which is a pretty rare thing. It is indeed and great to see Todd too who at one stage even went over and played in the Netherlands uh, in that European competition just to right. get some, some uh, from our perspective some winter ball in uh, between ABL seasons and great to see that paying off for him. Uh, another guy, well while we're talking about pitchers with long stories, Ryan Rowland-Smith, he made it back to the bigs earlier this season with the Diamondbacks, they've let him go, he's now with the Blue Jays. He is. He uh, Ryan was designated for assignment by the Diamondbacks last week, uh, and it wasn't so much a case of him not performing. The Diamondbacks actually broke out of spring training uh, with an extra pitcher on their roster, and they needed to add a position player. The Diamondbacks have really struggled, uh, actually, since they left Sydney. They obviously struggled in Sydney, but they've struggled since they came back as well. They were hoping to add another position player to their roster. Ryan was kind of the odd man out. So he was designated for assignment, which meant that he had no more options to return to the minor leagues as part of a transactional move. They couldn't just outright send him to AAA. Uh, so the option then becomes he can go to the minor leagues if he accepts the option to go to the minor leagues. But prior to that, every other team in the majors has an ability to claim him off of waivers if he doesn't elect to become a free agent. In Ryan's case, he elected to become a free agent, had a lead on a deal, apparently, because he signed with the Toronto Blue Jays shortly thereafter. Presumably, he'll go to AAA Buffalo and be kind of waiting for a job 
to open up in the Blue Jays bullpen. Ironically, the strange thing about that is he'll be the second Australian on that roster. Liam Hendricks is actually on that same roster with the Buffalo Bisons uh, in the AAA International League, so that's kind of cool that Ryan will get to be around a guy who knows a little bit about what it's like to be an Aussie in Buffalo these days. Uh, but Ryan, he, he threw fairly well for the Diamondbacks in his time. Uh, he's healthy. I actually did an interview with him for, uh, for the ABL.com.au, which is still on our site, about just kind of what it meant to him to make it back to the big leagues after a very long road, some injuries and some some problems with his consistency over the last couple of years. Uh, made it back, threw well for the Diamondbacks, uh, was kind of just a, a paper move, a roster move, that there were too many guys and he was the odd man out. Uh, but I would expect to see him back in a major league uniform before the end of the season. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. He was so close too, of course, last year with uh, the Red Sox playing out of Portucket when he got, uh, of all things, appendicitis and had to go in just as he was on the verge of the Major League Baseball call-up. Uh, had to go in and have the operation, and that just put him back by effectively half a season and wiped him out there. Hasn't been the great start to the season either by the, the Blue Jays, so they would be looking for people to bolster their bullpen as well. So uh, Ryan Rowland-Smith, right up there for that. Okay, Tyler, let's go south. Let's go to Florida, where Josh Spence is playing his trade in the Marlins organization. Yeah, Josh Spence has been fantastic so far. He's another guy who's kind of been very similar to Ryan Roland Smith in the way that he has excelled at the AAA level and is just kind of waiting to make his mark again at the major league level. Right now, he's in AAA New Orleans in the uh, in the Miami Marlins organization. Uh, he's made six appearances for the New Orleans Zephyr so far this season. I think he's got an ERA under one. Uh, he has been fantastic. And Josh was sort of the same thing. He was very, very successful last year in the Yankees organization at AAA, and just the numbers never worked out. Out. The, uh, the bullpen situation never worked in New York for him to get an opportunity to move up. Uh, where he is now with Miami, the Marlins are a team that they struggled over the last few years. They have a lot of talent in the lower levels of the minor leagues, but not a lot of talent at the major league level. So presumably at some point, if a guy is excelling at AAA New Orleans like Josh has been, one would think he's going to get a call to eventually be uh, up at the major league level in Miami. Um, they've got a, a very dynamic pitching staff led by Jose Fernandez. Fernandez, who is you know, going to be an international superstar before long if he isn't already. Um, and Josh, it's good to see him kind of get to a place where they're letting him go out, work, be successful, and eventually, hopefully, he gets that call and he's back at the, at the major league level and making an impact soon. Yeah, he and Roland Smith, both at clubs that are pitching under 500, or oh, sorry, winning uh, under 500 in Major League Baseball at the time we've gone to press with the Toronto at 444 and Miami at 481. So still a huge chance for those sides who do need improvement in the bullpen to uh, to call up their Aussies there. Let's move down to uh, the, the real minor league stuff now. And, and this is a great story. For the first time in something like 15 years, two Aussie managers went head-to-head over, ironically, the Anzac Day weekend uh, with, uh, with Collins and Graham going head-to-head. Uh, who came out on top? You know, uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. I talked to the guys uh, the day before they met up. Uh, for their first series meeting, they're going to play 19 games this season against each other in the Midwest League. Uh, and Andy Graham and, uh, and Michael Collins, two guys who have uh, trekked very similar paths to get to where they are. Uh, first night out, it was a big night, uh, obviously, for those two guys meeting up. And they're in very similar circumstances right now with two teams that were very close in the standings, have kind of similar talent levels as well. 
But uh, to get to talk to them and hear about their excitement to go up against each other was really, really cool to see. They met up in West Michigan where Andy is the manager. Of course, Andy was a catcher for the Blue Sox during the first season of the ABL. A little bit in the second season, he assumed uh, an assistant coach's role during season number three, and now he's sort of a little bit more focused on his duties in the Tigers organization. Obviously, Michael Collins has had so much success as the manager of the Cavalry. Uh, but for those two guys, they played against each other a lot growing up. They played with each other on a couple of Australian national teams, and and then to see each other in the minor leagues, they actually played as opponents in the Midwest League, where they're now both managers. They played against each other in 2004-2005, which is very random, small world sort of thing. And they were really excited to see each other. And Andy Graham gave me the best line. I said, you know, we haven't gotten a chance to talk a whole lot this season, but, I mean, I'm sure we'll go out for a beer after these games because we're Australian after all. <laughs> and, yeah, it was really cool. They got to meet up on Anzac Day. That was the first day of the series. And, uh, and yes, they played three games last weekend, and uh, they'll meet up 16 more times this uh, over the course of this season. So a really cool uh, the cool little sidebar feature in, in minor league baseball this year. They're the first Aussie managers to manage against each other since uh, former Adelaide bike manager Tony Harris and Paul Elliott managed against each other in the uh, rookie ball level Pioneer League, which is one of the, the very, very entry-level minor leagues. And that was all the way back in 1999. So it was a pretty historic weekend. Uh, indeed. And with them having 19 meetings uh, between each other during the season, we'll stay out on the judgment for the moment, but I do know that Collins drew first blood with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps winning that first game four to nothing. But uh, as you said, they meet 19 times during the course of the season. A couple of quickies to wrap up. Uh, Tim Atherton got himself in the headlines. He did, yeah. Tim uh, has been moved over to the, the Oakland Athletics organization. He was actually a Rule 5 draft selection over this past offseason, which is basically a, a draft that allows teams to select minor leaguers from other teams. It's kind of a complicated thing, but Tim was picked uh, away from the Minnesota Twins by the Oakland A's and last time out for the Stockton Ports, who were in the Class A Advanced Carolina League. He was fantastic. He took a perfect game into the eighth inning. Had he been able to complete it, it would have been the first perfect game in the California League, I believe, since 1998. Uh, so he set down the first, uh, I think, 22 batters that he faced in that game. Uh, pitched into the eighth inning. Ended up getting the win. They got the win for him. Uh, and I talked to him afterwards. He was uh, was bubbling with excitement. Uh, felt very confident about the, the way he's been pitching so far this season. Obviously, the A's are very excited to have him in their organization. And that's a big step forward for Tim. He's another story, kind of like Ty Van Cienzel, where he had been out of baseball. And he gave me some great quotes uh, for our story that was on MILP.com. He said, you know, when I was signed initially out of Australia, I was 17 years old. I thought, I'm going to play baseball forever. And that I was released by two organizations, by the Twins and by the Padres, before my 18th birthday. And I thought, this is it. I mean, my life's over. I don't know what to do now. And then uh, he kind of reinvented himself. He was an outfielder at one time, uh, got back into baseball as being a pitcher, was once again picked up by the Twins. And now the A's have him, and it really looks like he's on the verge of taking off. He's a little bit old for his league right now. I think he's 23 or 24, which is a bit old for Class A advanced. So I'm, I'm assuming that at some point the A's are probably going to challenge him with a promotion to Double A, which would be in the Texas League in, in Midland, Texas. Um, but very excited to see Tim have the success that he had, and uh, he's been feeling pretty good so far this season. Gee, Tim Athen could be off to oil country. That'll be interesting. And a quick wrap for Corey Adamson uh, from uh, WA. Uh, these days with the Lake Elsinore Storm. 
Right. The Class A advance, actually, it was kind of funny. Corey was on the other side of Tim's perfect game start into the eighth inning in that game. Tim went up against Lake Elsinore, uh, and uh, Corey's had another good start for, for Lake Elsinore this season. I would assume that at some point Corey's going to get the call to double-A as well, which is also in the Texas League and the Padres organization. That's in uh, San, San Antonio, where there are some other ABL uh, familiar names and faces. Uh, John Hussey, pitcher for the Melbourne Aces, is with the San Antonio Missions, as Adam Bush. He was a Triple Crown winner a couple of seasons ago, obviously, for Canberra. Uh, but Corey has started well. What Corey does well is he gets on base a lot, uh, and that's very highly valued in baseball. In the, in the money ball age, he's the type of guy who is very, very valuable. Uh, so Corey started well in, in Lake Elsinore once more, and I would assume at some point this season he's going to start climbing the ranks and really maybe forcing the issue in the Padres organization to get a look at a higher level. Yeah, averaging 256 with the on-base percentage of 343. Adamson doing quite nicely. As are you for us, Tyler Moore, and we good to catch up with you again in a few weeks' time. Absolutely. I can't wait for it. Tyler Moore, ABL staff writer and contributing writer to MILB.com, our latest guest here on Strike Zone. ABC Grandstand's baseball show, Strike Zone, with Chris Coleman. Well, once again, as sure as night follows day and as sure as the Arizona Diamondbacks are having an ordinary season, Warwick Petherbridge joins us for some of the stuff you might have missed from the world of baseball. Morning was... Look, uh, hello, Chris. Hello. Hello, friend. Um, 10 to the power of 7. We're not talking about the number 10 million, I assume. No, Chris, look, weird and wonderful, and I love this. Mm. For the first time in Major League history. Okay, on first time in 100 years, yeah. Well, yeah, on Sunday, um, time, yeah. 10 pitches through 7 innings or more with 3 hits or less. What I want to know... Like, but 10 on the same on the day. I appreciate, you know, in, in you know, uh, 15 games on a Sunday, there weren't any washouts, were there? No. So I appreciate that that is a truly remarkable stat and not something, obviously, that's going to happen often if it's the first time ever. What I want to know was, mm-hmm. who sits there and comes up with these stats? Who is the person? Is it, is it, is it this why the MLB fan cave was created? Because this is, they put all these kind of people together in one house? And the instant replay, Chris. <laughs> it's all run oh, out of the end. That's my theory. I, I just... But I, look, I, some I, of these names you know. Cueto and uh, Shields from Kansas City yeah. and Wainwright and yeah. Vogelsong and mm. Hamill. But then you've got... Uh, who's Richards from the Angels and uh, David G from well, the who's, Mets? Who's anyone at the Angels? Really? Look, but look uh, San Diego. San Diego's San... apparently got a pitcher that can throw uh, seven innings and give up three hits. San Diego's apparently got a pitcher. Full stop. Exclamation mark. Oh, no. Okay. Know, but, but so here we go. Richards. Garrett Richards from the uh, Angels. Yeah. He did his against the Yankees. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that one in. Good. Yeah, good. Well, why not? Anyone but the Yankees. That's all good. No, look, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, heartbreak. Uh, baseball is, of course, a game of heartbreak. It is one of the foundations of the sport. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But heartbreak by any other name. Look, Chris, I'm just... Uh, you know I go off on my little tangent. So you've got to humor me here. Um, all right. I, I have to? Yes, yes. Think of some of these great events, Chris, like mm. the Great Depression. That was a great event? Yeah. Well, I suppose uh, no, 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 the, no, no, but the these, are, these are milestone events. Okay, big events. Yeah. Yeah. Prohibition. Yeah. Uh, two World Wars. All right. Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson. Right. Then you move into the more recent, you've got Watergate. Yeah. You've got computers. Right. You've got the internet. I really don't know where you're going. I'm glad, friend, because these are some of the biggest events in the last hundred years. The same amount of time that Wrigley Field has seen zero world championships. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's nasty. And do you know who broke their hearts oh, again? No. I, I, 
Look, did you hear about it? Look, the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah. scored five runs in the ninth inning at the hundredth birthday of Wrigley Field to deny the Cubs again. Yeah, to overcome a three-run deficit. Um, but oh, that's that's just nasty. It is. That's just nasty. Yeah. Whatever happened to uh, what was his name, Bartman? Steve Bartman. Yeah. I think he's in uh, witness relocation. <laughs> I know that Jeb Bush. Remember, you've got to remember that Jeb Bush offered him asylum in Florida after that. <laughs> no, no. But you yeah, know, sorry, it's still too soon. I think for, for oh. many Cubs fans. Yes. Yeah, but to be fair though, mm. they, in the last week they've won four or five games. The D backs. So they're still not going great, but they were five and eighteen, yeah. and now that I think they're nine and nineteen. Yeah. They're doing all right. If that's if that's all, well, I suppose you're an Indians fan, so you set the bar pretty low for all right. Uh, you know what? It's funny that it's interesting that the second Trumbo gets hurt, they start winning games. <laughs> <laughs> Takes that big hole in left field, and sorry, Mark Trumbo, you are a monster of a man, and I do not want to get killed. <laughs> yeah, who won't be invited next time the Diamondbacks play at Australia? Answer was. No, they love me. Uh, uh, Except should. for Trumbo. Except for Trumbo, <laughs> sure. Uh, what else you got? Odd spot. Odd spot already. I know. Mm. Twitter challenge, it's out there. I haven't got a response from the yeah. Indians yet, but I'm just going to keep hammering away. Oh, just chipping away. This will be going for 100 years. Mate, Chris, I know we're not supposed to mention... What will happen first? The, the, the Cleveland Indians acknowledging your presence on Twitter or the Cleveland Indians winning a World Series? Probably the Twitter. You know the only way we're going to get a World Series, Chris? That's when we beat the Cubs. Oh! Hey, come on. When you've had your ground for 100 years and the only world championship is won by the Chicago Bears, you've got problems. No, I'm just stirring. I love you, Chicago. Jimmy Fallon. Robinson Cano. Yep. Did you see it? I did. Robinson Cano, back in New York for the first time as a Mariner this Mm. week. Jimmy Fallon put a big picture up of Robinson Cano and got his... uh, people man out on the street to interview people and get people to boo the photo and then out would walk Robinson Cano. How good was that? We don't need to say any more. Shall I just press the button? Oh, please. Let's oh. press the button. Are you going to boo him? Yes, I am. Boo. All right, well, we actually have this picture of him right behind you, so whenever you're ready, go ahead, boo him as much as you want. Boo, Robinson. You should have stayed here. Winners is in New York, not in Seattle. Try booing him one more time. Boo. Stay in Seattle. We don't need you in New York. Hey, how are you? There you go. He's a very clever man. But look, I, I just love oh. how they all, every one of them, without exception, just boo, boo. Oh, hey, you're not so bad. Yeah, no. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. There were some that were great, weren't there? Mm. But look, Chris, you know we love the jerseys. I actually found this, but it was also brought to attention to my attention by our friend Clatsy. Yes. Hello, Clatsy. I did find it, though. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air jerseys. The, the, the do what? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh. Being worn by the State College Spikes, a Cardinals Class A affiliate. I don't Late think June. we need to go there. Look at that. We, I was right. We don't need to go there. But do you know what? Out of all the theme nights and the jerseys and the craziness, this is probably the best because at the end they are having an auction mm. and Alfonso Ribeiro, who played Carlton, will be there. So? So? Imagine getting the Carlton dance and your jersey. Chris, come on. I got nothing. I just, uh, you, weren't I, a chi- you weren't a child of the 90s, though. Yeah, but the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was still rubbish, was. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's about as rubbish as the Dodgers payroll right now, but we'll get into that another day. I love you, you too, Los you, Angeles. You, don't hurt me. You really don't want to come back on this show in a hurry, do you? But look... I, I, I found this the other day. This mm. is one of my favourites that I've ever Are we still found. on the odd spot, are Yeah, we? just one more. Yeah. I don't know their names or anything like this, mm. but this was taken at a Baltimore Orioles game. Now, this is truly 
the love of the game. Look at this. Yeah. These two young people skipped their senior prom to, to go to a Baltimore <laughs> Orioles game. <laughs> How good is that? It's probably cheaper. <laughs> but they got, but they did get a walk-off win. Oh, that's so nice. So at least they got something, that's unlike nice. Wrigley Field. Nice. <laughs> oh. hey, I'm going to give you some homework because I, okay. I saw, uh, because next week, of course, uh, it is uh, what day is it? Sunday is is May the fourth. Star Wars Day. Yes. Star Wars Day, May the fourth. Be with you. Uh, it is this Sunday now. Star Wars theme nights are plentiful in minor league baseball. Yes, sir. Uh, they don't all happen on May the 4th. I can't understand why you would have one on July the 26th, well, earlier, for example. Earlier this week, they could have waited for Sunday. They made the big cast announcements for Episode 7. They should have. Yeah, but no. Anyway. But, no. Um, but uh, as, as May the 4th is this week, mm-hmm. uh, your homework is to find us a comprehensive list of all the Star Wars themed jerseys to be worn by minor league baseball teams this year, including, and I don't know whether you've seen this one, but there is a team now showing some love for Boba Fett. Yes, no, saw that. No, so, I'm all over it. So we want those, and I want them on next week's show. Done, done. Uh, Latroy Hawkins had a bit of a bad week. Uh, ERA of 4.91. Uh, 10.1 innings pitched for April. 2.61 ERA mm-hmm. with eight saves. Eight saves. It's surprising. Usually you only get eight saves in a season at the Rockies. But uh, oh. the Rice Report... You're really on fire today, aren't you? I know. The Rice Report, his ERA is down to six for April after, remember, the first week it was at 18. It seems to be away is where he's doing getting the most damage done. So at the Mets Dome, he's a lot. Okay. Unlike Wrigley Field. Unlike... <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. I'm not the Cubs fan. Uh, and uh, and we did. I did get a tweet. Uh, someone mentioning after uh, after we mentioned Hawkins uh, playing ball uh, last week that there's a former Melbourne Aces player playing in that club as well. Uh, I don't have it up on the screen in front of me, but I'll put it up on Twitter. Okay. As to who it is as well. So uh, uh, yes, we should mention that. All right. No worries, sir. So uh, may the fourth be with you. Uh, and, and, and with you. <laughs> Live long and prosper and all that kind of stuff. No, that's Star Trek. Yeah, I know. When, when, when do we get the Star Trek jumpers and the Star Trek theme nights? Look, I don't know. It's got to happen. I, I would like to see, like, you know, Klingon death before dishonor night at Wrigley Field. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can give it up yeah, look, right it's, now. But it's one of the few... Look, I understand, and I'm sorry. I love the Cubs. Don't get me wrong. I am a bit of a Cubs fan, but being an Indians fan, yeah. I think they're the only team that has a longer suffering than I do. <laughs> yeah, the, you know the meaning of the word pain. Uh, Craig O'Toole, that was who got in touch with you on Twitter, said... Uh, uh, we mentioned uh, Tracy McGrady playing for the Skeeters. Dominic Ramos. Yes, he did uh, get signed. Yes, Dominic Ramos uh, played for the Melbourne Aces. He is also at the Skeeters. So I wanted to make sure I got that tweet right. And apologies for getting it a little bit wrong before. But thanks for letting us know about it, Craig. And of course, you can always find you on Twitter, Was. At It's Was Time, W O Z. Get on there, people. And you can find me at CJCAU. And that'll do us. No, yeah. I was going to say quickly, remember, I, uh, hashtag countdown to 100. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Six to go. If you've got anything you want, let me know. Special stuff for Woz for the 100th edition of Strike. All of Woz. That's it. Goodbye, Woz. Goodbye. And that's it for Strike. So thanks very much for your company this week. We'll catch up with you in seven days.